0: welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Nyker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Joining me this week, you know him, you love him. He's your buddy. He's your pal. It's Samson Folk. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I'm just excited to talk some hoops, some comedic values, all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> I mean, wasn't that so? That was a great intro, right? On my part, because you were like, don't tell people what my credits are. You're like, yeah. people just know me, generally speaking.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows me. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I, I also I, I also do that um, every time I do a, a stand-up comedy show. Like, the host will always ask me, like, what do you want me to say? Do you have something to promote? And I'm like, just tell people I'm a perfectly fine person, and I'll go up and do my I'm always like, I don't know. I don't know how to say that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, so we're going to talk a bunch of NBA, talk about the playoffs, talk about each series that's happening so far. And then we're going to get into a little bit of Raptors trade rumors after that. Uh, But first, I got to start with a very weird uh, disclaimer. Uh, It came to my attention this morning that some of the Raptors Republic podcasts in the last week have had political ads on them. Uh, I've heard uh, a conservative party ad and I think a liberal attack ad. I just want everyone to know that that's a mistake. (laughs) Um, We actually have like no political ads as like a setting on our podcast feed. But for some reason, some of these ads are still filtering through, I guess, because it's election season. We're not entirely sure why. But just so people who are listening know that those ads are not necessarily a reflection of Raptors Republic. We are not intentionally trying to be political in any way uh i mean of course i have my own views everybody at raptors republic has their own views and we're not actually trying to have political ads so you might hear some on this episode uh we're working on it so apologies to people but just so you know we're not actually affiliated with any political party and we're not trying to be political
1: I was thinking of doing if I had a green screen actually it's all blue but I was gonna put the Angola communist flag behind me like, <laughs> waving, like, as you were saying this we're not political okay and yeah. I was gonna put like uh, Paul Robeson singing the USSR like <laughs> communist anthem yeah you know?
0: yeah I just want to take a minute to talk about the People's Party of Canada right now if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah. anyway just a very weird thing that's been happening this last week so just everyone know that that's a, a very random mistake and we're we're working on it uh okay all right let's move on to some basketball here uh we're recording this on thursday may 12th uh, last night we had uh, some really great basketball and some really bad basketball. But let's talk about the great game first, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. I earlier said that this series was going to be too close to call, which is such a like, uh, I don't know, flaky thing to say. <laughs> but it's kind of true. And that has turned out to be really true. Um, Drew Holiday, maybe one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. Uh, really incredible stuff at the end there. Uh, I want to know, Samson, what do you think of this Bucks Celtics series? Has this gone the way you expected? Has it been completely? Has it completely blown you away? Where are you at with this?
1: I think that the Celtics have been better than I expected. Although I still expect the Bucs to win. I expect the Bucs to win the championship, and that was my pick. Mm-hmm. I think in like probably from the start of the season. I just the Bucks have been playing really well. Giannis is unstoppable he's fully assumed form as the best player in the world even if that's not recognized in the regular season the regular season in the playoffs they differ somewhat in play style and like as you said like having drew holiday as a point of attack defender it kind of changes the the makeup of how teams have to attack and then you have guys like brooke lopez and Giannis at the back end and they have a bunch of other, like a healthy amount of other defenders who come in. Their defense is awesome. Uh, we've seen the Celtics struggle against it immensely. And so the Celtics have been better. And Jason Tatum, I think, has been just tremendous. Uh, Al Horford, the Al Horford game was super fun. But So the Celtics have impressed me, but they haven't moved me to the point where I would change my prediction. So the Bucks are still doing their thing as wow. far as I'm concerned.
0: I love that. I, I love that Al Horford has a game that will live in infamy. The Al Horford game. Um, I feel like Bill Simmons is going to bring it up 10 years from now and expect us to know exactly what he's talking about.
1: That's uh, what was it? I can't remember. There's, he had a write up where he was talking about Memphis and he was talking about how they were down, I think, like two zero in a series. He's like you can tell. You know, everybody remembers Martin Luther King's assassination here. It hangs over the town. Oh, no,
0: stop, stop.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the king. Wait, was of, this
0: like the old Memphis Grizzlies, like way back?
1: This is grit and grind. Yeah, so this yeah. This is like yeah. 2000, I guess, like, <laughs> yeah, Zach Randolph, Mark, Tony Allen. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Bill Simmons will always be very comfortable getting on a podcast or getting into a column and being like, this terrible thing that happened. It's basically sports. Everything is sports, bro. <laughs> and yeah, so I don't know if there's anything hanging over anything anymore, but Bill Simmons just being brought up, I had to tell that one too. God, he's got so many. It's unbelievable. I love
0: that. I You know, the, um, there are so many regrettable things that I'm sure he has <laughs> Like, that would be such a funny, like, deep dive off-season, top 10 list uh, thing to do. I don't know if you've ever read The Book of Basketball. But it opens up with the story of him in in Vegas meeting Isaiah Thomas for the first time. And he keeps going on and on about how uh, this particularly large woman looks like in a bikini and how he was so transfixed, like he couldn't get over it. Why is that in the book of basketball?
1: (laughs) That's that's actually something I would Bill Simmons gets away with this. And there's like these kind of like there seem to be these like folksy terms that you know white men use it's like oh man he can you know he can operate out a closet he can all these different things (laughs) and the the white male being transfixed on something has occupied a very large part of literature and so maybe he snuck that in there because he's like people are used to this i can just say like hey i was really (laughs) interested by this large woman in in a book about basketball and it it just flies you know
0: you made this so much more profound than I thought it would be, but you're absolutely right. Like I can't, I can't disagree with that at all. Um, anyway, where were what were we we're, were talking about? The Bucks, yeah. Last week, I gotta call myself out. I don't know why I suddenly became a Drew Holiday hater. I just did. I don't know why I did. I like Drew Holiday, but I was just like, I think I even said like who, uh, just to be a little Mariah Carey about it. I don't know why. <laughs> This guy's proven me all the way wrong. I'm very impressed. I'm impressed with the Bucs. Like I, I, you know, with Chris Middleton out, I was just like, in my mind, I was like, it's going to be Boston in six or Milwaukee in seven, right? Like they'll, they'll either figure it out eventually or they won't figure it out in time. But they, but they seem very comfortable without as comfortable as you can be without your second best player and you're right like their defense has been absolutely fantastic Giannis is playing like the MVP whether he gets the quote-unquote award or not and actually I want to talk about that a little in a little bit I guess it'll come up when we talk about like Sixers heat but yeah like and like you said like he hits another level in the playoffs they have that experience now where like they've been in these moments before although I would say like the Boston Celtics do have some playoff experience at this point as well with this core but I don't know if they're gonna get over this hump right now i i am pro like abolishing the eastern western conference brackets like i want to see a 1 through 16 because it just to me it's like the series after this won't be as good as this one and i and i just i hate that not to get rid of myself but
1: yeah that's uh i'm really glad you brought up hating drew holiday because i love drew holiday (laughs) but i actually i had this theory that because drew holiday is a wife guy he receives a lot less criticism for his bad games than most people do because people respect a wife guy. Like Drew Holiday, he he missed like a huge part of an NBA season to care for his wife. He's like this handsome guy who's like, yeah, I just love my wife. On his social media, he posts his pictures of his family. And you know how when somebody on Twitter, if they have a bad game, They post a picture of them and their family and say, this is who you're slandering, by the way. I feel like Drew Holiday was the first guy to install that that ethos so that you're the hater. You're a very strong hater then because you're working through waves of uh, positive uh, wife guy propaganda to get there, even though I (laughs) even though I love him.
0: I mean, I I know he loves his wife. I did know that much. I believe she's a she's an athlete. Yeah. So I did know that. And I still didn't. care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do. Forward. But I do care. But it's also like I don't know. Now I feel like a bad person. I went oh. from just being a casual hater to just being a full-on bad, bad person, bad, bad feminist. I don't know. No, this uh, makes you
1: stronger. This <sighs> makes you way stronger. You know, the the agit prop. You like moved through it. It was it was no problem whatsoever.
0: This is so much for me to dissect, like that it's extra hard to hate on a player that loves his wife. Yeah. But that just goes to show there's so few who do (laughs) (laughs) that we have to make exception for the few that actually like shout out their wives. Right. Because it's like you're saying it like 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 the bar so low that like Drew Holiday loving his wife is like, oh, wow, let's give this guy all the stickers.
1: Well, yeah, that's what is that? That's like the joke about '90s stand-up comedy. as a guy yeah. gets up there, and he's like, "I hate my wife," and everyone's like,
0: "Yeah, let's go." This guy's, you
1: know. <laughs> and somebody's like, "Hey, actually, I like the woman I chose to spend my life with." We're all like, "Damn,
0: that's
1: pretty impressive." I I don't like my wife personally, but I wish I did. So yeah. this guy must be a good guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, two two thousands like female comedy became like I hate my kids, and then all the women were like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's evolved. There's a there's actually there's a comedian uh, based in Toronto, shout out named Todd Graham, and he has this joke that kills every time. And all it is, Todd Graham's like, I want to say in his fifties. All it is is he just stands there, and he looks at the crowd, and he quietly says, "I am attracted." to women my own age (laughs) (laughs) and it destroys every time and i hate it i love it and i hate it all at the same time yeah okay so i guess like there's got to be like a list of a short list of uh nba players who love their wives and i guess i shouldn't hate on those players but russell westbrook loves his wife and he gets all the hate
1: yeah but russell is a very special case he's like a an authoritarian you know he, he's very he's very uh compelled to uh protect his own image even though it's not, like Drew Holiday doesn't have a reputation with the past franchises be it like Philadelphia or New Orleans where he was like don't say this about me don't ask me these questions don't whatever mm-hmm. but when Russ was in OKC he very famously had like the media kind of in a chokehold and the um, public relations people were like yeah just don't do this with Russ don't do this like don't do this and he hates so, the
0: media I don't know why he hates the media so much
1: if I was a player I I feel like I wouldn't like the media either although it's it depends on who you're kind of introduced to like Chris but we it's State.
0: advantageous not to hate the media
1: yeah because if you hate the media then you know because it
0: doesn't help like if he had a good relationship with the media he might even have a bit of a better narrative than he does now
1: Probably, which is a shame, which means that the some people in the media aren't doing a good job, but also I think Serge Ibaka had the best quote about it where he said he used to be short with media all the time, and he didn't have, give them much time, and then he asked a media member how much money they made in a year, and then after that interaction, he decided to be very charitable in his quotes and with his time because he was like, wow, you – well, I'm super rich and you're just like this little working class, you know, schmuck. So I'm going to give you some more time and try and give you good quotes so you can do better stories and stuff like that.
0: Oh, my God. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. Thoughtful guy.
0: A surge, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. We're so many ways. <laughs> off topic he's on the
1: bucks though so technically you know it's tied in
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay way to bring it back way to bring it back uh he's not gonna be on the bucks for long though probably not okay uh do you want to see him on the raptors again that's a narrative i'm seeing around
1: hmm i don't think he'd get playing time which i like sorry to say maybe it's he's in a kind of like a consultation role on the bench. Like the Udonis Haslam heat role where he, yeah. maybe he wants to fight somebody on occasion, like his blood boils. And then he's kind of showing everybody how to cook healthy meals too. And that you say like, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep Serge around. He has excellent vibes. He loves the city. The city loves him. But as far as playing on the Raptors, you see guys like Thaddeus Young who came into the rotation is definitely a better player than Serge currently. Chris Boucher is better than Serge currently and so it'd be tough to imagine him cracking that rotation especially since the Raptors uh everybody who plays for them is guaranteed to play like just an unbelievable amount of minutes and to be per 100 possessions like lead the league in miles traveled on defensive possessions because you have to fly around everywhere and Serge doesn't want to do that. He wants to kind of like hang out in the paint right now and try and swat shots away. Maybe shoot a couple jumpers on the other end. So in a in like a very low-key role. But I don't think he would play important minutes, unfortunately.
0: Also, he's too tall now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Past the quota.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I think like, I just think the, the sort of demise of Serge's career is pretty heartbreaking because he was playing at a fairly elite level and then this back injury happens and then mm-hmm. it's like suddenly he's like in the G League for a minute. And now he's just like relegated to the bench. It feels like it happened so fast. Like, I think that's more like the heartbreaking part of it, at least for me as a Raptors fan. It's just like, oh, like, I want to believe Serge has more in him, more to give still than he's currently given the opportunity to. But I don't actually know if that's true.
1: Well, that's and maybe I'm being a little bit too pessimistic. Maybe there's a, a late career renaissance or something like that. You never know what kind of shape guys will be able to get their body back to If they'll be able to recover something they lost. But yeah, you're right. Like the back injury has completely messed up probably how he envisioned the end of his career, the Twilight version going down. But I guess we'll see. Uh, I'd be super happy if he reclaimed a lot of that fluidity and motion that he was that was uh, emblematic of a huge part of his career. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know where would be a good fit for him uh, this year, but he's a free agent, so we'll see. We'll see where he ends up. Um, Okay, let's move on to the Warriors Grizzlies. Uh, They had an absolute the Warriors disastrous game last night. I think they lost by close to forty points. And uh, I mean, what happened? Like, what happened to them? Like, my my theory is that the Warriors get very complacent. They just do. They have this history of getting very complacent. And I think they just thought they had it in the bag and they clearly didn't. I do think they'll win game six. Uh, I do. I think they will close it out. I think this was an embarrassing enough of a loss that they're going, they're going to recover. Um, But I mean, I think this is kind of shitty for me to say, but I think it was more a collapse of the Warriors than it was the Grizzlies being especially great. Not that they weren't great, but you know what I mean? It's like it's the combination of those two things. I don't think it was just like the Grizzlies just put a huge chokehold on the Warriors.
1: I think it's uh, an interesting clash of play styles. I I think you're correct in that there was some complacency and especially with jaw out. But the Grizzlies, you know, the the stat that floated around in the middle part of the year was like, oh, they're like 11 and two without jaw. And then they finished at 20 and five without jaw which is a really, that's a tremendous record. Like in in basketball, Mm -hmm. that's insane. Mm. And Jaw is a really, really bad defender. And asking him to guard one of like Clay or Steph or Jordan Poole, it compromises your defense constantly. And so when the Grizzlies replace him with a guy like Tyus Jones or DeAnthony Melton, these really great point of attack defenders – it actually completely disrupts and changes how the how the warriors want to attack and where they've been getting to on the floor is no longer a thing. Like even when the Grizzlies were playing Minnesota, Patrick Beverly, I think the one game he had 14 drives on jaw and got into the paint 13 times. You know, if, if that's like a really, if that's drew holiday, for example, that, that number might be zero. That's, that's the difference that like a really good and bad point of attack defender makes. And so, even though they lose a ton of offensive punch from jaw leaving guys like Tyus Jones, step up, Kyle Anderson steps up. Jaron Jackson has better driving games and stuff like that. So they have to play a different way, but the Grizzlies are so deep and have so many good players that they can kind of change styles very quickly and they found success in it. And then that mixed with probably some complacency from the Warriors created the, the terms and conditions for a game five route, which is
0: pretty
1: cool. If you ask me,
0: uh okay so i get it uh the grizzlies are better without jaw (laughs) (laughs) put it on a graphic yeah yeah. (laughs) that's good that's how we're gonna advertise this episode Uh, (laughs) um no but i think you're you're absolutely right and uh they definitely did have a bounce back game um should dylan brooks have been a hockey player that's my other question for you should he have played hockey
1: no, because, you know, you need you need a guy like Dylan, like the what is the his nickname? The Dillest Villain, because it's the Illist Villain, the Dillest Villain, because it's Illest Villain, but okay. it's Dylan. Yeah, he's it's like Joel Embiid in the Raptors series, right? It was it was super bad, obviously unlucky that his orbital bone fractured and all yes. that kind of stuff. But the and he complained about it, which I I disagree with probably his complaints about the Raptors fan base, especially coming from Philadelphia. And he's like, don't swear. It's like, okay, Joel, like I know you're a troll, but I love Joel <laughs> Embiid. He's he's one of the best villains in the NBA because he doesn't care about appealing to other fan bases. He wants Philly to like him. He doesn't want Miami to like him. He doesn't want kids coming up to him on the street wearing a heat jersey and be like, hey, Joel, He's he wants to crush their dreams when they're in the In the stadium, he wants to do the airplane. He wants to, like, give the finger. He wants to, like, do all this kind of stuff. And Dylan Brooks, you'll remember him when he was playing the Raptors, saying, like, this is my house when they won, like, a game in the middle of the season. yeah. And, uh, like, you need villains in the NBA. Guys who are unafraid to take the optics of seeming like an ass and just kind of, like, really lean into it. I love that. And so Dylan Brooks, if he was in hockey, we wouldn't get it.
0: If, based on everything you said earlier, if I said to you that I love Dylan Brooks, you'd be like, Catherine, what's wrong with you? He doesn't no. have a wife that he loves. <laughs> How dare you?
1: Well, that's that's true. I only like guys with wives. You know, it's you, you want what you can't have, right? um yeah also like to...
0: i think last week i was like oh that there's that uninterrupted clip with him and the other grizzlies talking about the time they spent in toronto and i'm like where did they go what did they
1: do oh yeah yeah probably just to like ruckers or something like that played some games i doubt that yeah you <laughs> yeah but he's great I- I'm-, I'm glad he's great. He's plays. mississauga
0: zone we're both from saga yeah. so shout out um but yeah did you guys
1: I- hang out did you grow up together
0: we did not grow up together.
1: Mm. That's too bad.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I don't actually know where he went to school or anything. But in any case, um, I love this Memphis team, but I just I said this last week. I'm I'm getting sentimental for the Warriors. Like I just want the Warriors to take it, and I do. I think they will, anyways. I mean, this team playing so well without Jaw, they did it during the regular season as well. I don't see them winning even if the Warriors collapse, which I don't think will happen. But even if they did, I don't see them beating the the Suns Mavs or like making it to the finals or like winning a whole chip without jaw. I don't know. Is that crazy? I don't think that's crazy.
1: I think that's it's kind of what we saw happen with Fred in the Raptors series where the Raptors got to play a different brand. And that mm-hmm. was like a, a oh, change. That was a up.
0: great comparison. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was like a change up and they got longer. The the doubles they sent were, you know, a little bit more effective because there's extra length on the court. Joel Embiid's reads out of doubles changed, you know, like having Fred Van Vliet's short arms, as great a defender as Fred is, it just changed the looks and and Pascal was good enough by himself offensively to kind of drive the offense. But it makes you more one note. And in the playoffs, you don't want to be one note. You want to be adaptable. You want to be changeable. And so while the Grizzlies, they might have found success in in game five and nearly had it in game four before that collapse. I think what it does is you don't get the jaw game, you know, or the three jaw games in every series where he maybe threatens like a 40 burger or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you don't get those change of pace lineups that come in for like six minutes in the third quarter and dominate because it's that change of pace there. You have to play like that the whole game and teams will adjust. They'll find the weak points of that team. And the warriors may very well do that. Not only in game six, but if the Grizzlies somehow got into the next round or whatever, I think if they didn't have jaw, not being that not being adaptable or more versatile, especially offensively would probably be the death knell for them.
0: Yeah. Um, I have to agree with that too. Uh, and it's just too bad that jaw has this injury. I mean, there's just been a lot of unfortunate injuries in this playoff series or in this whole playoffs this mm-hmm. year. And because uh, I this team, it really did. I know there's been a lot of jaw Allen Iverson comparisons, but just the like trajectory of this team really did remind me of the oh1 one 76ers where like they could surprise you and make it to the finals and then get swept, but, or they didn't get swept. They won that one overtime game with the step over on Tyloo, but uh, very iconic. But yeah, like they do have that kind of flair to them. And I actually think they're probably more deep than that 76ers team uh, was back then, because I'm like trying to think of other players on that team and I'm drawing a blank. Was there a, a, a Hughes? Larry Hughes?
1: I don't think it was. So there was Dikembe Matumbo. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, Alan Iverson. Awesome. But he was at the tail end of his career, too. Yeah. Matumbo. Uh,
1: there was McKee. There was Eric Snow, the big white yeah. guy, I believe, right? Like, wait, wait, who's the big, tall, white guy? I can't remember. I don't know. But Steven, Steven Adams is a better big, tall, white guy than that other big, tall, white guy. His I'm just name, laughing. I can't
0: if Eric Snow isn't the big, tall, white guy, that is so funny.
1: It it's Freudian, right? It's snow. I'm like, well, it's yeah, 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 snow. It's the white guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. But
1: if that's wrong, that's funny.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's fine. This this podcast is all about being ridiculous anyway. Um, okay, Samson, we got to talk about the the Memphis Grizzlies rally cry, the whoop that trick rally <laughs> yeah. cry at every game. I don't, again, I, I'm going to assume that everyone listening is about to disagree with me. I don't love it. I don't love it. And that's fine. I I'm aware that I'm an, on an island, I'm all alone, I've limited supplies. I get it. But I don't I don't love it cuz to me, this is going to sound very corny, but I like my rally cries to be positive. Like, "Hey team, win." Not uh, You know what I mean? Is that Is that and then insert conservative ad? No I'm
1: kidding. <laughs> Do you uh, do you allow cursing on this show? Yeah, yeah. OK, so when I was playing high school sports, there was a an opposing town that had a very, very interesting chant. Oh. And it went one, two, fuck you, three, four, fuck you. And they would chant it all the time. And it made <laughs> me laugh really hard being on the opposite end of it. And I thought that that was really great, even though it was negative. And I can't think of a positive chant that's affected me in the same
0: way. (laughs) Wow. I mean, yeah, you're right. Because they're very into it. Like, they are really, really into it. Um, I guess, like, okay, here is why I don't love the chant. But also, this is, like, hilarious. So, Draymond Green, there's a video of him dancing to it.
1: Yeah. At the end of last night's
0: grape in last night's game right he's dancing to it he's getting into it and then uh after the game when he was talking to the media he said uh they not gonna whoop that trick alone we're gonna whoop that trick together and that does not make any sense (laughs) i think what happened was draymond was actually so upset at what was happening that it was like, Oh, it will be less upsetting if I join in. So then he tried to join in and make fun of it, make light of it, make it less impactful, which I guess adds to your point that it is impactful. And then at the end was like, No, we're gonna we're in this together. And it's like, you're not. Like I think in this scenario, you are the trick. <laughs> so I don't really understand.
1: <laughs> what uh have you seen community?
0: Yes. Okay. not all of it. I can't quote it or anything.
1: So, you know, when Jack Black has his episode where he kind of infiltrates the group.
0: No, but everyone. okay. well, yeah.
1: So Jack Black infiltrates the group and they have a falling out and he says, like, well, that's fine. I'll just stay here and study anyway. We'll just be people who are studying in the same room and they can't really comprehend why somebody would do that. You know, it's like you're hated here, pal. Like, we don't want you here. And he's like, still, I remain. And maybe that's what Draymond is doing, providing the same energy. He's like, we're all part of it. They're like, no, we hate you. We see what you do. You know, you had that dirty swim move on Steven Adams just during this game. We don't want to dance with you. But he's like, no, no, no. We're all in this together. It's like uh, forced positivity. Is that that what Draymond is doing? Yeah, I think so.
0: Because, I mean, I get what you're saying about, like, you know, the NBA needs villains. I completely agree. I think Draymond's a great villain. Um, But – that just doesn't make any sense to me at all because it's like you're making i can't believe i'm about to say this sentence you're making the trick part of this sentence ambiguous <laughs> and why
1: <laughs> if uh would you be a villain in the nba like if for fun do you think you could handle the social media backlash that you would get no you couldn't lean into it i don't
0: think i could I think, only... I, I think I care about being well-liked uh, YouTube um... commenters. <laughs> okay. <No kidding. laughs> <laughs> uh I do think – I think uh, as an actor, I love playing villains. But as myself, I think I couldn't handle it personally. But I'll ask you the same question.
1: Oh, yeah. I'd go full villain. Why not? I mean, it's like it doesn't actually matter if i was making that like
0: oh you know what the money changes things if i'm like really living it up then it's like yeah who cares i agree that adds a bit more of a yeah
1: like that's that's the whole thing about i wouldn't have social media if it didn't help my writing career you know or i guess the content creation is a journalist is now a content creator whatever the hell that means yeah yeah but i wouldn't have social media the way that i do if that wasn't the case so like i if i was a villain in the nba i wouldn't even have social media I'd just be rich and I'd be like you'd be like Dylan like, Brooks. Yes. ass Hattery on the court and then like whatever I want off of it.
0: Dylan Brooks is like not active on social media or why Leonard is also not active. Yeah, I agree. It is a power move
1: or OG. He lost his checkmark on Twitter because <laughs> he, he? he was he was so inactive. And, like, he he does shit posts for, like, his ads, right? Like, Scotty Barnes, when he had the PS5, he, like, takes this picture with it. And he's like, look, I'm playing with my PS5. It's this whole great thing. Thank you, PlayStation. And OG, like, took a picture of the box and just put hashtag ad. And, like, that's – it's incredible. You could just be that guy. You could be villainous and that guy. That's who I would be. An irreverent villain
0: i love that there's yeah. not i was trying to think of like the female equivalent there's not many wnba villains i think there's like there's so much unity in terms of like we're all in this together we're all just trying to like prove everyone wrong and maintain relevance but uh, but diana tarasi is a real villain if you've if you've seen diana tarasi play um so she lost in the finals last year to the chicago sky uh candace parker's team and she broke the door in the locker room i don't know if you know this samson
1: i know that story
0: she broke the door in the locker room just completely annihilated it she's also like i mean diana trossi for people who don't know was named the greatest wmba player of all time is i think 39 years old still playing very hard six foot one not the biggest person in the world completely demolishes this door And then when they asked her about it, she she just said, I don't know. There were a lot of doors in there. (laughs) That's all she said. And then the Chicago Sky took the broken door and brought it with them to their championship parade. Uh, which is incredible! Like you can't write this stuff. I'm like, man, people need to know more about the WNBA. But anyways, uh, a Diana Taurasi villain would be wonderful to meet for me to be like. But I don't know if I have the guts to even do that.
1: Could you break down a door?
0: No, I don't think don't I'd have to. Deep? I'd have to be so enraged. Maybe if I heard enough of the bad political ads on this episode. <laughs> enraged enough no i'd have to i'd have to be so angry i couldn't just like in a normal mood but i mean losing a championship would be enraging so maybe Mm -hmm. that would be enough for me to break a door i've never been tested
1: what if you were gonna win a championship in anything what do you think it would be in
0: in any or actually
1: lose a championship in anything you get close but you you end up losing what is your like what's your most outstanding skill What would Uh, drive you to door breaking?
0: Well, screenwriting, because that's my day job. I'm a professional screenwriter. Uh, I write for Canadian TV shows. And I'm
1: very familiar with your work. In fact, I I love your work. Thank you. I I, I don't know which everything specifically, but yeah, your your work is fantastic.
0: Thank you. Uh, I've entered many a screenwriting contest. I've been... Uh, in the finals of screen contests and, and lost. So I, but it's so passive because it's just through emails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like there, like trying to mm. outwrite someone in the moment. Although I think because I am also a comedian, I would have the improv skills to maybe outright someone in the moment that would be wild just to do like a 24 hour like here's your premise and go that would be really fun actually maybe
1: maybe a 24 minute maybe that's something you could do for Raptors Republic is you do like a 24 minute impromptu like here's what I wrote I hope you like it and maybe it's really funny
0: and it has nothing to do with the Raptors
1: yeah maybe you're her (laughs) under pressure you know yeah you, you make it happen
0: I don't I don't actually write for the website. I just do the pod.
1: I know, but this this could be an expansion of role to embrace your new improvisational flex those improvisational skills.
0: Okay, how about this? One day you give me a topic. Right? Like you know like when you watch an improv show and then everyone's like, "Okay, I need a location, blah blah blah." You yeah. give me a topic and then
1: wives in the NBA.
0: Okay, oh, I need more than 24 <laughs> minutes for wives in the NBA. I need more than 24 minutes for that. Uh, also, uh, Shaq and Jalen Rose opened up about their divorces at the same time for some reason. Probably a coincidence, maybe not. I don't, dude's- I mean, it was very nice what they, you know, they all said very nice things about their exes, but I was like, weird that both these things came out in the same week.
1: Dudes rock. That's 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 what I'll say about that. Speaking very nicely of your of your ex lover is like dude's rock behavior. Uh, everybody listening out there, if if you haven't if they haven't done a crime to you or something extremely terrible, try to speak kind about people. Do your best. Amen. Uh, all, all my ex lovers, I, I love you very much. You're very great. Thank you wow. for being a part of my life. <laughs>
0: How did we get there? Uh, I do not love all my ex-lovers. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I wish them well. Uh, I can say that much. I do wish them well, but no, I can't say I love them all. It's probably the difference between men and women right there in this new battle of the sexes buckets and episode as this is evolving. Um, anyways, okay, so we've talked about that. I don't have much to say about Mavs sons because it's just a series I've been less emotionally invested in, although I am intrigued and I'm a lot more intrigued than I thought I'd be. I am not a believer in the Mavs, but please Samson, you're the expert here. Tell, tell me what you think of that series. If you have any thoughts at all.
1: I don't think the Mavs are going to win. Although if they were, uh, it would probably be done via their defense continuing to be a pretty, pretty damn good defense. Um, they play small, but they're really gritty at the point of attack. They have um, some really fun, like schematic wrinkles, and they have good defenders at a lot of different positions on the floor, like Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith. They have to be able to hide Luka better, or Luka needs to just... We talked about Jaw being kind of mm. a bad at the point of attack on defense. Chris Paul bringing out the binoculars and searching for Luka on every possession is not good for the Mavericks, so they they kind of have to find a way around that. And Luca has to pair that with just sensational offensive games. I don't think all of that is going to happen. The Suns, as they have been for, I guess, almost like two full years at this point, right? A well-oiled machine. Uh, they play one of the, the cleanest, tightest versions of basketball in the NBA. They have so many uh, people who listen to this podcast probably very familiar with the Raptors the Raptors have a read and react offensive style and so there's not that much framework or structure in it they just want guys to go out there and make these live reads the Suns have a lot of framework they, they they run a lot of set actions and they run a lot of great set actions everybody knows where they're supposed to be their secondary reads out of them are great and it's proving quite a bit of times to be too much for the Mavericks to keep up with especially with like DeAndre and Michael Bridges and then Chris Paul and Devin Booker, of course. So the Suns are just a really strong team. If we get a rematch in the finals, I don't think they beat the Bucs, but I think they're certainly strong enough to get there again. And unfortunately, I don't think the Mavericks are going to uh, beat them as the underdogs.
0: Yeah, that's right. I also predicted the Suns and Bucks as a rematch in the finals, but I picked the Suns to win. Because uh, I mean, but I love the two of them becoming this like friendly rivalry, but I pick the Suns to win because I don't know. It's just more of a gut thing, really, just in that I think Chris Paul's window is going to get even shorter. I think there's more urgency like it's really now where I think the Milwaukee Bucks are built to be here for much longer and uh, um, home court advantage. There's also that. Although I think they had it last year too. Like last year, I remember the Suns after they won the Western Conference finals were parading around town with a Western Conference championship trophy. And I was like, you're going to lose because you're <laughs> celebrating too early. Like you're going to lose. That was the moment I knew they were going to lose. And then that turned out to be right. And I, it, it reminds me of like the San Antonio Spurs, like when they lost – in such a devastating way. And then they came back the following year and won. I just felt like, Oh, I could see that happening more than I could see the bucks winning back to back. But of course, like anything could happen.
1: Giannis and is incorrigible. You know, he does things his own way. He is unflappable. Like when they were down, when they were down to, I think it was the nets and uh, well, both to the nets and to the Suns because they were down two zero in the finals last year. And that video of Giannis came out where he's like, I've been through it all, man. I airball free throws, I miss shots, I do whatever. It's like he is not afraid of failure, and that makes him very equipped to succeed. I feel like you Absolutely just can't shake him.
0: And, he and also he also loves his wife.
1: And he loves his wife. <laughs> That's right. Okay, like, see, You're just, yeah, it's the, all coming, it's
0: all coming together.
1: The Bucks are just a bunch of wife guys. Even Brooke Lopez is married to Disneyland. You know, like he he loves it there.
0: They have a couple cute uh, assistant coaches who I don't even know their names, but I've just you noticed. You love
1: coaches. I love coaches. You? You're a little thing. coach watcher.
0: I'm a co- I'm a coach watcher because I think because in my mind they're more attainable.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait. Wait. Did that start with Nick Nurse, or have you always been a coach? No, watcher? it
0: started with Nick Nurse. It what started. They, with what? What? Ime Udoka about- is hot.
1: Oh, that's a handsome guy. He is a yeah. hot, yeah. yeah. Eric Spolster is also handsome.
0: He doesn't do it for me, but I he's, respect. Uh, he's I respect so it.
1: He's so fit. He is old... fit,
0: but he's also too. He's a bit too stiff.
1: That's because he's got washboard abs holding him upright. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like the Heat have a very militaristic uh, franchise where they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure quite a few uh, different players have signed there with clauses in their contract that they get like under 8% body fat or something. That's real. Yeah. Which
0: I don't know how Kyle Lowry passes. I feel like there must be an exception for Kyle. They
1: Yeah. Uh, And I'm not body
0: shaming Kyle. I love Kyle. Great just body,
1: saying. Kyle. Keep doing your thing. Yeah. But uh, with with Kyle, I think they probably just like, you know what? The talent to to fitness uh, parameters are, are fine. We'll let it. But with Dion waiters, they're like, you know what? You're going to have to, like, get super cut, super lean. Maybe.
0: Yeah. He goes to the Weight Watchers meeting, but he doesn't go to the weigh in. Right. Basically, he's
1: aware of it. He knows what's going on. I get it, guys. I get it. But when it comes time, he's going to be there. Yeah, yeah totally.
0: Um, okay. Speaking of players who love their wives, there's a whole new category uh, that we need to discuss, and that's players who love their moms. Mm. And I that is a very terrible segue to talk about Chris Paul and what happened this week uh, at the game. Uh, Um, I I mean, there's not really there's no opinion to be had on this. I mean, people just need to respect boundaries. I don't know why people don't it's silly it's stupid but it's happening more and i think it's actually because of social media Mm -hmm. i I think people are literally doing these things to go viral and it's working which is pretty scary actually not i don't want to give people ideas here listening or anything i'm just saying
1: yeah i i don't want to be like old guy yells at cloud but there are social norms that are kind of degrading and the way that we interact is also changed um a lot by social media too And the way that a lot of interactions prior, well, in the world, the complete history of humanity are enforced passively by the physicality of the situation. It's like Mm -hmm. there there's something that will happen if you act in a certain way. And those barriers are very much changing because a lot of people have grown up with social media and that you get to say a lot of things to people without that physical aspect. And then that carries over into real life. Until the very point that they feel that there is like there is a stopping point to like ass hattery. You know, you can only do so much before something comes back your way. And there's a lot more people willing to test that, I assume, which Mm -hmm. is not completely social media's fault, but it it no doubt plays a part. So, yeah, like young kids kind of like banging around, pushing moms. I'm like, damn, I guess I'm a young kid, too. But like, I don't know, man. It's kind of wild. You shouldn't be pushing moms. That, that that blows my mind. Just as, like, a rule of thumb, listener, viewer, don't push moms. Try your I best mean, not to.
0: I mean, like, the discourse around it was so odd because people kept saying, like, no one should be allowed to touch players' families, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're actually not supposed to touch anybody. <laughs> like, I don't know why we're relegating this to just players' families. Like, don't touch other people at the stadium. Maybe
1: that's that is really that creates a really fun like duality. Right. Because it's like, listen, this special class of people you do not touch. But if you have the unfortunate luck of being in the crowd next to somebody you don't know and your opposite genders, they're going to say, here's the kiss cam. Now kiss. Oh, which man, just <laughs> really funny. I, that's obviously not a thing anymore. With so the with, kiss COVID cam with COVID happening, yeah, yeah. But... I feel like
0: have I, maybe I've seen it not not in Toronto. Wow,
1: but I feel like other
0: places are doing it still. I, that's not confirmed, but I feel like I've seen it.
1: A cultural two de force. If if people are still doing kiss cams, there's like a deep cultural tie. Because I mean, there's like,
0: people who just don't like care or believe in the pandemic.
1: The last bastion of I went I went to
0: an NCAA game in Buffalo this year. And it's, you know, you're in a stadium, all that. We had to like get tested. We were, Mm -hmm. you know, negative for COVID and all that. I was the only person wearing a mask. So
1: you couldn't kiss anybody.
0: So I couldn't kiss anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Which was deeply unfortunate. No, but really like I I was the only one wearing a mask. And then it was like, you get a lot of looks from people. So then there's like this pure pressure to the not wear mm. your mask and then I think it's like there's that I mean I ain't care but like there's that whole layer to it too so I think I think the kiss cam might be back the worst part of the kiss cam is I went to a game once with my brother and my brother and I don't look anything alike because we're both like we're biracial like we're half white half south asian and I look more white and he looks more south asian so it was just like you know I look more like my mom he looks more like my dad but it's like Oh, people would think we're a couple because we don't look related. And when that Kiss Cam came on, I was like leaning over to the stranger next to me. You got Kiss Cam. No, we didn't get Kiss Cam, but I was so scared of getting Kiss Cam that I was leaning into the stranger next to me, which was very awkward. And I just said, don't touch people in the stadium. (laughs) <laughs> the person the stranger next to me just so we wouldn't get caught like i was just doing everything i could with my body language to be like do not put that camera on us
1: yeah that makes sense i understand like the hesitancy there that makes a lot of sense to me thank you but moms i guess are we still on are we still talking yeah let's go hunters? yeah let's go
0: back to that yeah
1: okay chris paul has a mom he loves his mom don't push moms Oh, is there? Do we have another? Are there other mom things that you want to talk about?
0: Like NBA moms? Yeah. Well, like, okay. I think the most iconic NBA mom is Kevin Durant's mom. Mm-hmm. She's the, the real, real MVP. MVP. I think she's like on the Mount Rushmore of NBA moms.
1: Yeah. Uh, Reggie Miller. Well, no, not Reggie Miller. But uh, who's who's? Oh, Javal McGee, his mom. Oh yeah 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 like, uh, yeah. Uh, she's, she's a former good. player yeah pretty good mom there's a uh, Kyle Lowry's mom in Shrine oh yes big shout out blessed mom Maria uh,
0: Marie Holloway
1: yeah oh yes. can I actually tell a funny story so
0: please we're off the rails 10 times over
1: so I tweeted out that Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are motherfuckers in like the best way And it got, like, quite a bit of traction because everybody's like, yeah, when I look at Jimmy, when I look at Kyle, like, those are motherfuckers. And his mom responded to the tweet. And was like, what do you mean by this? And I was like, only in the best way. Like, I promise. It's like, it's (laughs) a very positive What do you mean by this? Yeah. I was like, no, like, you get it. Yeah. It's kind of funny. But then she started responding to more of my positive Kyle tweets. Well, I basically only have positive Kyle tweets. But she seemed to be. She's on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I miss her tweeting all our games that was that was really fun um i mean raptor moms is a whole thing but like kem birch's mom i think is fairly Mm -hmm. active on twitter if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah big shout out to the moms
0: yeah you know one day like we'll do like an off-season thing and let's just like do the most inappropriate thing ever and rank people's moms (laughs) great. Uh love that love that for us. Okay. All right, let's move on to our Raptors <laughs> moment. Uh and uh, Samson I wanted to ask you about uh these trade rumors around Oh, we didn't even talk about the MVP. It's fine. Uh do we want to circle do I want to circle back to do you want to say anything about the MVP, about Nikola Jokic winning MVP?
1: And we didn't yeah. even talk
0: about this Heat sixer series at all. I just think it's over basically.
1: You got you got the heat. That's what you're yes. feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely skipped over it. That's how irrelevant irre- it feels to me. I feel kind of bad. It's your that.
1: you know, it's your podcast. Like you you move through it the way that you want to. I don't know. This Maybe I'll get some style.
0: real 76ers fans in here. Probably not. Um Yeah, I th- I Nikola Jokic winning MVP ended up being a little more controversial than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Like the outrage on, on Twitter was not expecting. I'm like, uh, he was basically a favorite like all year long. Uh his numbers are very comparable to Joel and B. They're almost exact. Same with the team win losses. And I think what it came down, I mean, Joel and B had this little bit of a quote about narratives, um, which I actually think is true. Like, I just think people didn't want to reward the Sixers for just how messy. Things were with them all year round, which actually, you know, isn't necessarily fair. It has nothing to do with Joelle and Um, necessarily. But that's what I think happened. And, and I think Nikola Jokic, she had the quote unquote narrative of doing more with less. Also, you know, I'm a bit of a Western conference, not elitist, but like it's harder to play in the Western conference. So when you have X number of wins in the West, those to me, that's objectively harder than getting that same number of wins in the East. Uh, people might disagree with that. But that's how I feel. Um, so I think he wins it, not by a lot, but I think he wins it. I think people uh, are mad at Jokic for winning it this year because he didn't do a lot in the playoffs. But people felt that way about Giannis when he won back to back MVPs and people were like, oh, he's not doing enough in the playoffs. He's not cutting it. And then the next year he won a championship and everybody forgot they ever said that.
1: Yeah, everybody – but that's the thing, right? Actually, I had a tweet about this yesterday where I said, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, this guy can't do it. This guy can't do it. And then they get better teammates and they do it. Like, you know, yeah. like we talked about Drew Holiday, wife guys, big shout out, you know, Drew. But Drew joined the team. Their point of attack defense got better than when they had um, Eric Bledsoe. The offense got better than when they had Eric Bledsoe and and Drew. Drew's a better player than, you know, Eric. And that was reflected in the trade package for each But having a better team uh, was pretty meaningful. And like that will apply to Nikola Jokic whenever Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and they have a healthy team, they'll Mm -hmm. threaten the finals because Nikola Jokic is an MVP level player. I probably would have given it to to Joel. Actually, I do think, as you said, like the messiness of the Sixers probably took away from it, which is silly. And, you know, Joel Embiid is correct to, to point to narrative. But I, I'm totally fine with Jokic getting it. I just there's like they're the, so
0: similar when you look at like all their stats, they're so similar that yeah. I I'm like, why are people like mad about it? I don't know.
1: Well, it's, it was kind of like the the Scotty Barnes thing too. I'm really glad that Scotty won because you mm. know he wanted to win. And Scotty's like a sweet kid and he wanted to win, so glad he won. But it's uh you know, it didn't really matter if he won. Like fan bases get really attached to seeing their players validated in media or in like the discourse and it doesn't actually really matter that much like you Mm -hmm. just want your team to like go play basketball hopefully it's entertaining and hopefully they win games and scotty was doing that and scotty went into the playoffs and like cade and evan mobley didn't for example Mm -hmm. or or franz wagner wagner sorry and so like yeah scotty being in the playoffs was way better than you know if he had won rookie of the year on like the the ninth seed or something like that yeah
0: yeah and there's a lot of players throughout like nba history that only have one or two mvps but you could say they were the best player in the in the league for maybe six years in a row so i think that's just kind of like what happens it's like the league Mm -hmm. just kind of likes to share the wealth a little bit there
1: yep it's yeah it's a very there's a lot going on and people have different ideas what of what mvp is and You know, Embiid wasn't even really close in the voting. Like, I think it was, what, 69 to, like, 25 or something in first place votes. It was not close.
0: might have that, or I did have that. Pull it up. I had it in front of me, and now I don't. Why is that the case? Uh, Stupid bleacher report. Oh, here it was. It was a link to a tweet, and then it went away, and now it's back. So (laughs) Nikola Jokic had 65 of first place (gasps) votes, and Joel Embiid had 26 And Giannis had nine.
1: Yeah, Giannis wasn't close.
0: Yeah, no one else had a first place vote. Uh, Devin Booker and Luka Doncic both have one second place vote.
1: I disagree with that Devin Booker vote quite heavily. I don't know who voted that, but I disagree with them. Probably about a lot of basketball things.
0: I don't know. Probably Hubie Brown. I don't know um okay so that's that let's okay let's finally move on to our raptors homer moment there's been a lot of trade rumors uh centered around rudy gobert you know it's been anticipated for a long time now that the jazz are going to blow things up and it's likely that they would keep donovan mitchell over rudy gobert because he just seems more like the type of player they'd want to build around would you even okay would you want rudy gobert to be on the raptors and if you did what would that trade look like for you?
1: Hell yeah. I mean, especially if a guy is not as well-liked within an organization, if you have an idea that you may be able to trade less than what most people would actually want, because Rudy Gobert is on a huge contract, a massive one. That's part of the, the appeal for them to trade him to move off of the contract, but he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year that doesn't mean he's any worse at defense than the years he did win it. He just didn't win it this year. There's voter fatigue for that. Like, he has three yeah. already. He is a tremendous, <laughs> tremendous defender. He's an incredible role threat. And if the Raptors had him on their team, they would be significantly better on offense and defense. Like, that's... Rudy Gobert is a really great player. And th- there are limitations that he has that you wish, like, he should be able to get the ball thrown into him in the post, and he should be able to go get you a bucket on occasion. But and he can't, but limitations exist in a bunch of different players. We've been talking about John Morant and uh, you know, like we we've, we've been talking about star player Luca, who can't defend. Okay. And Rudy Gobert, he can't score as a main option, or maybe even the second, the second or third option in the half-court setting without being assisted. But the Raptors have like everybody isolates and everybody creates on their own anyway they have a team of guys who are willing to put the ball on the floor so Rudy wouldn't really feel that pressure he would just really beef up their offensive rebounding really beef up their defense and he would catch a lot of lobs and a lot of uh rim runs and stuff like that so he would be awesome on the Raptors
0: it kind of reminds me oh sorry I was just going to comment on that a bit it kind of reminds me a little bit not that they're the same player at all but it reminds me a little bit of Marcus All right like Mm. he was not a scoring threat when he was out there Pretty much at all. Like he maybe, I don't think he was averaging quite 10 points a game. Um, but he was extremely useful. He had a great passing. I actually don't know how Rudy Gobert's passing holds up. It's just so so. But
1: maybe even I, worse than so so, but oh, that doesn't matter that much. But I mean, I was so gonna say that places. we
0: have experience with a center that isn't necessarily a primary scoring option, was what I was trying to say, but um, anyway, maybe that point is not so good.
1: No, that's a good point. It's, <laughs> but that, that's, that's totally it. It's like the, the way your team is built affects how players who come in, you know, operate in it. Precious situa being able to put the ball on the floor against the 76ers became more important because of Fred Van Vliet's injury. And, you know, that's the way that the 76ers loaded up on Pascal Siakam for a couple games. It meant that OG and had like a couple really big pop off games. And so everything compounds and these things are all tied together. And Rudy Gobert, the strengths in his game, I think, fit, and the weaknesses fit into the Raptors in a way that his strengths will be maximized and his weaknesses will kind of be papered over. And that's especially if somebody is like a can be had for less than what they normally would. I think that creates like the terms for a really interesting uh, guy to go after in a trade. The rumors say that the rappers are interested, but the framework that would get you there is presumably you're looking at like either Fred, Gary or OG or Pascal, I guess. And you have Mm -hmm. to make your bones with what you think Rudy is worth. Like, because we're talking about it hypothetically, we're talking about it, you and I, we don't actually have any bearing on what the Raptors want to do, who they value highest or whatever. I would assume that Pascal is, they view him as maybe a better player or an equal player to Rudy at this time. So they wouldn't make that trade and he's on a, a smaller contract, I guess as well. Um, Gary, maybe they view him as a guy who's valued higher. I I think Gary is valued higher than, how good he is currently, which isn't a slight. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's just a good year. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Gary will continue to improve and get better and better. But I would presume that Gary or OG would be the center of a package over there. And, and that's just because Fred seems so essential to the, the culture of the team that I struggle to see them moving on from him. But one of Gary or OG, and I would assume the jazz probably value OG a fair bit higher than they do Gary. But uh, I would probably try and build a package around Gary. But I also don't think that the Jazz would accept that, unfortunately. It's tough to trade, you know, for big guys. Yeah, yeah
0: that's interesting because I, you know, I, I wonder, oh, this is going to be a controversial statement. I wonder if OG and Obi has fallen out of what we would consider our core.
1: I hope not. Do you, do you think so?
0: No, not necessarily because I I love OG, but I'm just Mm -hmm. saying I wonder because, you know, we started the season by being like, you know, Fred, Pascal, OG, those are our three guys we're rolling with. But then Scotty Barnes ascends way faster than we thought he would. And now, like, you wouldn't necessarily say OG is a top three player on the team necessarily and then that would make him a bit more ex- ex- expendable hmm. perhaps
1: in into the i still think he's the i still think OG is better than Scotty but i think you're onto something as far as like thinking about heading forward how long till Scotty is better than OG you know right. does does he get there at what point does he get there and this is something that like as far as in basketball on the court OG his types of possessions that he got he got squeezed a little bit because Pascal had an all NBA year. He got a lot of possessions and he did great things with them. And Scotty had a rookie of the year season where he got a lot of possessions to try things out. And both of them scaled accordingly and got better and better as the season went on. OG's possessions started out getting just a ton of stuff to try out in the start of the season. The end had injury trouble and then he had to adjust to the changing landscape of the team. And his play style got squeezed a little bit as far as trending towards the star version of himself. And he was playing more like a Not a role player, but a tertiary guy. And so I would keep, I would really want to keep OG just because of, you know, the defense, the three point shooting, the latent uh, on ball abilities, let's say. But I I understand why somebody would view him as um, having less, um, I guess, appeal than some other guys in the front office because he didn't have as big a year. As a lot of other notable players, like Fred being injured, he was an all-star though. Pascal, whenever they announce all NBA, I assume will be on the third team. And Scotty won rookie of the year. That's a lot of success surrounding a guy, especially when he had injury troubles and had a, a middling year as far as what expectations were. So yeah. But I hope he stays, man. I, I would be I would be crushed in my in my heart of hearts if if OG went out the door.
0: I would be too. I definitely yeah. would be too um okay Samson let's wrap things up here I usually do a Nick Nurse uh, hottie highlight of the week but he's in vacation mode man and I'm gonna be honest like I'm not a stalker I didn't (laughs) I have no updates on Nick Nurse he's laying low having a good time uh does he love his wife probably um I'm not following her on Instagram so I don't know
1: (laughs) That's good. I'm glad. You're glad I'm not following her. I'm always uncomfortable with the tracking of players. Like I see it pop up on Twitter, and so I passively intake that stuff. But I just I cannot go searching like that.
0: No, it's too much.
1: It feels like too much. Yeah, Yeah. I do
0: have friends who are very uh, active online. Just generally very active and uh if something comes up they usually send me an alert so i like low-key have these like free researchers <laughs> <laughs> help me uh but i didn't have anything this week so so that's that let's call it there uh samson thanks so much for joining me this week uh let people know uh where can people find you on the internet.
1: uh hopefully my name is unique enough that you just type in samson folk and wow. hopefully, like, hopefully wow. it turns something up because I don't have a common name, you know, like my name isn't like Dave McDavid or something, you know? Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Shout you out can... to all the
0: Dave McDavid's listening. Yeah.
1: Oh, I guess I didn't even make my name uh, my name. Uh, yeah. Uh, just type on in... YouTube. No, but
0: that's fine. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Just type in my name and hopefully like my Twitter or my author page or something comes up. And
0: Yeah. I feel like yeah. you tweet pretty frequently. Which I is Great. So...
1: So every once in a while, I'll do this thing where I calculate the amount of days that I've been or somebody I know has been on Twitter, and then I'll divide it by their amount of tweets. And just to see how many like on average a person tweets per day. And I think since like 2014, I'm on average like six, maybe tweets per day, which is obviously game days i tweet a lot because i'm live tweeting games and then you have to publish pieces and all that kind of stuff but otherwise i i definitely tweet more than you but wow as, <laughs> but as far as like i i'm in the middle ground you definitely between, tweet more than me yeah, yeah i'm in the mid, well that's that's not a slight as as <laughs> as i said like i at the start of the podcast i wish i didn't have to tweet um But uh, yeah, I have like the medium brain worms where I'm tweeting too much probably, but it's not like, oh, my God, dude, get off the Internet, please. Like not every thought you have is for consumption. I haven't reached that point and I hope I never do. But yeah, if somebody after I said all this wants to go follow me in. yeah hmm. oh, i'm sure I'm everyone not so listening sure. is
0: already following you probably but uh no that's hilarious i love that you're getting your own analytics you're just like <laughs> doing it on your own somehow you've like you have an excel sheet you have formulas you're just like old school building up your own analytics uh really wonderful detail about you that we all got to learn
1: yeah Yeah, Uh, neurosis is what it's referred to, I believe. (laughs)
0: Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening to this wild episode. Uh, I definitely had a lot of fun. Uh, If you want to follow me, I obviously tweet less. Uh, You can follow me at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. We'll be back next week. I'm going to be covering the NBA throughout, uh, maybe even some draft and free agency stuff. We'll we'll be here all summer. Uh, So thanks again for supporting the show, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.